Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. The passage we've been in for the last six or seven weeks, and we are within two weeks of finishing it. And so let's take a look. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Notice that it's the Lord's power. We're not going into the closet and finding some special uniform. It's the Lord's power that He gave us. And He gave us what we needed to stand firm in our faith. So be strong, it says. So that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil, even in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. The day of evil will come. It's not a possibility. It's not a maybe. It will come. And after you've done everything to stand your ground, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Thankful Ed was able to share last week such a great message about Shield of, I mean, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and the power of it. But Paul doesn't stop there. He continues. And he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayer and with requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the Gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given it to us. It's a great guide for us. It explains to us and helps us understand who you are. And gives us great security and power to live the life that you've empowered us to live. And so, Lord, help us unpack a little bit more today. Help us to digest a little bit more. And help us to walk out of here living a little bit more secure in our faith. Love you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. It's amazing that Paul, after talking about all these, all these great truths, talking about our great <clears throat> protection that we have that he gave us, the truth that Scripture is and the power of Scripture and the faith and how that helps us to keep moving forward and the gospel of peace that helps our anxiety and our worry and Truth that helps us to understand the false philosophies of this world, and we're always able to compare them to the truth of Scripture to know how we should go. Righteousness, that we would never be in doubt of that which is righteous and that which is evil. All these different things that we've been given that Paul is focused on. Then he stops and he says, Pray. See, we're to be a people of prayer. This comes together, all of it, the whole letter comes together with pray. 
We're supposed to be a people that have this incredibly intimate relationship with the living God. That we would pray. That we would talk. That we would have communication with God. That we would hear His voice and we would speak our voice to Him. We're supposed to be a people that pray without ceasing. On every occasion. Pray for those who don't know Christ. Pray for those who are declaring Christ. We need to pray for those who are in the midst of the battle, each and every one of us. The question is, are we a people of prayer? Are we a people of prayer? We're going to find as we study in our next series coming up for a few weeks, we're going to study the last week of Christ. We're going to study some of His teachings. We're going to study His priorities. We're going to study what He was painting pictures of with His words. And we're going to find him call us to be a people of prayer. We're going to find that there was a great emphasis on prayer in that last week of his life. And that he expected his people to pray with him. He expected his people to be a people of prayer. And we're going to be forced to look and to ask some really, really great questions of our own lives and our own faith and our own walk to say, are we a people of prayer? I hope we are. I hope we'll come to that conclusion. I hope we'll come to the conclusion that we're going to continue to grow to be a people of prayer. So I'm excited to be able to unpack that series with you guys. I'm also excited that we'll be meeting this Wednesday, as, uh, as Ed shared, to pray. I hope we'll gather together for that prayer. We're going to look at the helmet of salvation. Really, we're going to look at salvation. Helmet is meant to protect our brains, right? Our head. We take a hard impact to the head and you're gone in a second. Take a hard impact to the right part of the head, you're dying instantly. It's over. One of the most vulnerable places on the entire body, the head. Our skull encapsulates our, our brain, does all the thinking and evaluating and weighing and also hears every message of this world. Right? Our ears don't hear it and send it nowhere. Our ears hear it. Our gut hears it. Here's the message. All messages. All messages. And sends it to our brain, to our mind. We begin that evaluating process. Do I believe it? Is it true? Will it guide me? Will I reject it? What will I do with it? Paul's saying, put on the helmet of salvation. Because when the evil one attacks, he's seeking to attack our Father. And to get to him, he's going to get to us. <clears throat> he's going to come through us. He's going to attack the truth of our salvation. He's going to attack the security of our salvation. He's going to attack us. And oh, what a brutal, vicious attack it's going to be. And it's going to be relentless. And it's going to come without stopping. Remember your past? Remember what you did? Remember what you said? No forgiveness there. You can't be forgiven for that one. No. No. The attacks are going to be brutal. Yeah. All right, all right. God might love, but He's not forgiving people like you. He's not forgiving somebody who did what you did. 
the attacks are going to come. A lot of things can be forgiven, but not that one. Not when you do that. Maybe there's forgiveness, and it's by grace, but when you do something like that, oh, you're going to pay for it for the rest of your life. You're going to keep trying to put chips into the ante so that you'll get to the end, and just maybe you'll be accepted because of what you did and who you are. Oh, the attacks are coming. They're coming. Now, you're not really. Now, somebody who's saved doesn't make the mistakes you make. Somebody who has salvation doesn't do the things you do. Somebody who has salvation doesn't, doesn't act like you. You're a hypocrite. Just keep your mouth shut. Just keep it shut. Don't let anybody know you're a Christian. I'm not even sure you are. Pretty sure that God's going to reject you. If you had a salvation, you're going to lose that salvation. The attacks. The attacks, they're going to be relentless throughout our entire life. Eternity, come on. That's a load. Heaven. All there is is right here. Come on. Just focus on today. Just get your, get it done. Get all you need. Get as much as you can grab. Earn what you can earn. Sock away what you can sock away. Make a name for yourself because once you go into that dirt, man, worms and bugs, that's it. Worms and bugs. The attacks, they're coming. Get down towards the end of life and we start to evaluate all things. The attacks get fierce. I've been waiting. Will it come to pass? I've been waiting. Will it all be true? And the attacks come. What Paul's saying here, the Lord inspired him to say, is stick to your salvation. Know the truth of your salvation. The only power that you have is the power of what Christ did on that cross and the truth of your salvation. And the only power, the only weapon that you have against those lies is the truth of what salvation is. Hang on to that truth. Hang on to that truth. You put on that helmet and you protect it. You want nothing going in but the truth. And when it gets in there, you kick it right back out. The truth. So this morning, I want to remind us quickly of three truths about our salvation. The first one is this. Our salvation brings forgiveness and freedom. Romans 5, 8-10 says this. God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, when that message creeps up, when that message creeps up that maybe you're forgiven for this and this, but you can't be forgiven for that, or that was too bad, or God forgives these things, but He doesn't forgive that one, or you, whatever it is, if it's a message about the forgiveness that God offers, this is the only truth. This is the only truth, that while you were still sinners, not when you got it all cleaned up, not when you were just good enough, not when you stopped sinning, while you were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by His blood, remember that little kind of cute saying, right? Justified, just as if I had never sinned. We've been forgiven and our sins have been erased. 
They have been forgiven. They have been put outside of us. We have now have the imputed righteousness of Christ, and we are now justified just as if we had never sinned. When the enemy brings those sins back up to you for you to remember, for you to, for you to just wallow in, it's the enemy seeking to cause you to look away and to doubt the forgiveness that you have received. We are forgiven. It is gone. Scripture says that the Lord cast as far as the east is from the west. He has cast it in the depths of the ocean. I just saw an article about a new submarine that went the furthest into the depths of the ocean that we've had a submarine go. And yet they're not there yet. They haven't found the bottom yet. They're still going. How far has the Lord cast our sins? It's not there any longer. He doesn't see it. He sees the righteousness of Christ then why are you believing the lie and wallowing in it? Why has that sin or that, or that time or that season of your life, why has it defined you? You have been forgiven. You have been justified. And it says this, justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more have we been reconciled? Having, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We didn't just die with him and have the forgiveness of our sins. We were risen with him. We have new life in him. And there will be an actual physical resurrection someday. That's the truth of our salvation. We're not down for the count, we're alive. We're kingdom sons and daughters. And we get to live that way. And so when the enemy seeks to say, hey, remember? You go, no, uh-uh. No, I don't. It's been forgiven. That's my old man. That's my old woman. I live now new. I'm the son. I'm the daughter of the king. And you stand boldly in that truth. And boldly. Your sins from the past are forgiven. Your sins today are forgiven. And that forgiveness continues to reign into the future. It's a constant grace. It's an overwhelming grace. It's a grace that continues forever. Forever. Recalling the words of Jeremiah, the, the writer of Hebrews says this, No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another to know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Paul says in, eight, in Romans 8.1, we just sang about it. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember the truth of your salvation that when condemnation comes, it is not from the Lord. It is not because you have been forgiven. Because you've been forgiven, you're free to live. You're free to live. No longer bound to sin. No longer bound to unholiness and evil. But instead to be bound to righteousness and holiness. Paul wrote in Romans 6, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin 
as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. But before Christ, we didn't have a choice but to sin. That's all we did. We sinned. Our desires ruled our lives. Our selfishness was all that was in front of us. Every once in a while, we happened to do something that was okay. We stumbled across righteousness. We acted holy on occasion, just by chance. Our desires were for evil, were for our flesh. But in Christ, we're no longer bound to that. In Christ, we become slaves to, to Christ, slaves to His righteousness. That becomes our holy pursuit. That becomes the great adventure of our lives to live righteously like Christ. And we get to do it. When the enemy sneaks in and goes, ah, you can't be good. You can't be like one of them. Ah, don't worry about holiness. Don't worry about righteousness. It's not a big deal. Besides, you're never going to be as good as one of them. Then you kick that to the curb and say, no, I have been what? I've died to sin and now I live for Christ. The old man is gone. The new has come. I am no longer bound to sin, but instead I'm a slave to righteousness. It's a lie. What's one of those lies that Satan tells about righteousness, right? How about this one? No one's perfect. We'll all sin. Of all the lies that I wish I could just grab and throw back in his face, it's that one. Oh, no, no, don't get me wrong. It's true, right? Nobody's perfect. But I'm now a son of the king. I've been indwelled with the Holy Spirit. I've been given the purpose to live righteously, which means that's now my pursuit. And I've been equipped and empowered to go do that. And one of the other lies is that <clears throat> you won't be forgiven for the sin that you commit because you're supposed to live righteously. Now you can't be forgiven for that one. No. You're forgiven. Forgiveness in Christ. The past, the present, and the future. If and when thinking and contemplating our sin and our unrighteousness, it turns to shame that is not of the Lord. It turns to conviction that would cause us to move from that sin towards righteousness that is of the Lord. Listen to what 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance, turning from, without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Don't stay in the guilt and the shame. Don't stay in the bitterness. Repent, turn from it, and you are free to walk with Christ. You are equipped. Go walk with Him. First thing you need to remember about your salvation. You are forgiven. And you are free to live righteous and holy. Listen to a letter that a man wrote. The enemy was in full swing on this one. How many times will God forgive me and take me back again? I'm a Christian, but I walk. But my walk with the Lord has been on and off for a number of years. 
There have been many occasions when I've walked away from the Lord only to return to Him again after falling on my face and realizing the error of my ways. This is a reoccurring pattern in my life. At first, I didn't think much about it, but lately, I've been wondering, is it possible that I've used up my allotted quota of forgiveness? Oh, the attack is coming. Have I worn out God's patience? He's under attack. Is this something I need to worry about? The attack is severe. Listen to the response. You can't use up your allotted quota. There is no limit to God's grace and forgiveness. That's the concept behind Jesus' response to Peter's famous question. As Peter came to the Lord, he asked, How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, Peter asked. And Jesus said to him, I do, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. See, God's forgiveness is like that. It is a bottomless well. It's a fountain perpetually, perpetually springing up to eternal life. Like the compassionate father in Jesus' parable, the Lord is always watching anxiously for the prodigal son to return. The Bible describes his character as merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth. It's the same character that we see displayed all the way throughout Scripture. And in fact, just in case we thought that that might be a character we only find in the New Testament, that last description I read was from Exodus. Same God. Today, yesterday, and forever. Abounding in grace. Abounding in love. Abounding in mercy. This forgiveness is available. When you think you've strayed too far, your salvation says you are forgiven. You are free to live for Him, which also means to return to Him. You are free. Oh, but maybe I've lost my salvation. That's the next truth I want us to remember about our salvation. It is secure. Our salvation is secure. John 10, 27-30 says this, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand, for I and the Father are one. And then John 6 says this, For I have come down from heaven to do not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those He has given me, but I will raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. The will of Jesus was or the will of the Father that Jesus lived out was to secure our salvation. That all those that would be drawn to Him by the Father, all those that would be ushered in by faith, all those that would receive His grace and His forgiveness, He would not lose one of them. I don't know what image comes to your mind when you think of the strongest mechanism or the strongest machine or the strongest person, 
Or maybe you've shaken somebody's hand who just has that death grip. By the way, have you ever shaken Dwayne Eddy's hand? That's a death grip. He's in our church. Just try it. None of it. Everything fails. A machine stops. There becomes a greater one. Something fails. People aren't strong enough. And yet, the God of all creation, the one who shaped the heavens and the earth, made each and every person that no one ever counseled, he never sought advice from. Who else has held the heavens in the palm of their hand, Scripture says? He has secured your salvation. He has secured your salvation. When the enemy shows up and says, you're too bad. You made this one mistake too much. You have drifted too far away. He won't take you back. You have lost it. Punch him in the face. Take the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, and just punch him right back. For the Father, through the Son, will not lose even one. Know the truth of your salvation. And finally this. Our salvation is hopeful. Our salvation is hopeful. 1 Peter 1 says this. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is already that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. They have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We have a treasure that awaits us. We have an eternity that awaits us. We have a kingdom that while we're living in the midst of the authority and the power of that kingdom today, we will step physically into that kingdom. It awaits us. My son came home from college this week and he proceeded right to his room because we hold it for him. It's his room. Left it just the way it was last time he was here. It's his room. When he shows up, he gets to go to it. Brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, there's a room with your name on it. Thank you, Lord. Absolutely. It's been prepared for you. It cannot rust. It cannot rot. It doesn't matter how long it takes for you to get there. It's yours. By the blood of Jesus Christ. But now I need to understand something. The great lie of the enemy of this one is that you have plenty of time. Just live for today. Put your focus on today and forget about eternity. Get as much as you can. Make the biggest name as you can. And gather as much as you can. Have as much fun as you can. 
Because the only thing that matters is today. You got a long time before you get there. Not true, is it? Just not true. Every day matters. In the scope of eternity, our time here isn't even this big. In the scope of what our life really matters for, which is eternity, it matters for the for what's to come. The things we do here will rot, will perish, will fall away. This amount of time is so important. But it's not important for you to acquire and to do whatever you want to do and to get whatever you want to get. It's so important because we are here to do whatever the Lord asks us to do. We are here to be the mouthpiece of Jesus. We are here to declare the truth of the gospel. We are here that we would, Paul talks about in, in Philippians 3. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. He says this, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There should be a straining to get into heaven. There should be a straining, not because I have to work my way into it, because every day is just another opportunity that I might be able to see more, that I might be able to have more join me, that more might hear the good news of the salvation that I cling to, that, more, that this day might count for that long picture of eternity. And so I strain towards that finish line. I strain towards winning that prize. Don't buy into the lie. Don't buy into the lie. That heaven's not really there because, oh, church, it is. And don't buy into the lie that it's so long away. Scripture says that our life here is like the blink of an eye, like a vapor, like the fog that's here and suddenly gone, like the flowers that rise up and are burned by the sun. It's all the distance of our life. Make the most of today. Make the most of today because you are a kingdom son or daughter. Make the most of today in light of eternity. Review those truths one more time. We're forgiven and set free to live for Him. Our salvation is secure. Okay? And there's hope in our salvation. Right? In our salvation, there is hope. Today's not it. The troubles of today will pass, and we will have eternity with the Father. I hope you know salvation. I hope you know the forgiveness that we've been talking about. I hope you know those truths. But if you don't, I would love to share more with you. I would love to pray over you. I would love to help you surrender your life to those truths. You can join me up here. We can pray afterwards. We can talk for an extended period of time. Whatever you need. And if there's anything else I can pray for you this morning, I could invite you up here to pray mercy. We thank you for your forgiveness and your salvation. We thank you that you have washed it all white as snow. We thank you that we can stand in those truths. You have forgiven and set us free. We'll never lose that salvation that you have promised us. And there is hope beyond this moment. There is an eternity that awaits. And Father, may those truths may those truths Send the enemy packing. May his words, may his lies have no authority in our lives. 
And may we never take the monastery. Father, thank you. In your name we pray.